Hello, Sarah. Hi, Kim. How's it going? It's going okay, but I'm so happy to have a nice bright day to look out upon. How about yourself? It is lovely outside. I plan to go for a nice long walk after this, so I'll, I'll take the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially after a super cold morning. It's just it's yeah. a little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. That's true. Well, we have some special guests again. Welcome to the podcast, Fang Yi and Izzy McReynolds. We're so happy you're here. And before we jump on in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Fang Yi. I'm the educational technologist at the Robson Media Center, UVA Library. I'm part of the teaching and learning department. I'm here to share a project I've done, I'm currently doing, called Women's Maker Program. And I also brought my student intern and also a previous cohort here, uh, Izzy. So Izzy, now let you introduce yourself. Yeah, so hi, my name is Izzy, uh, Isabel McReynolds, but please call me Izzy. I'm a current third year undergraduate here at UVA. I'm a CS major, kind of following a cybersecurity focal path. Yes, women in STEM, yes. We um, are dancing, just kind of <laughs> won't be able to see that, but there is a certain amount of dancing happening right now. <laughs> Um, and yes, I was brought on as a current intern. Uh, I was brought on as a summer intern, but it followed into the into the fall and the school year. So it's now spring. I love this like continuation of this internship, but that's just because it's a continuation from my participation for the pilot program my first year. Um, so this has just been a really cool experience this past three years since I've been in college. It's kind of followed me through my college career. So this is a very fun program. We're excited to talk to you about it. And for, so we talk a lot about computer science, we talk a lot about technology and literacy, but Kim, I don't know that we have talked a ton about making. And so I, I want to take a moment to like define making as a discipline, but I don't a hundred percent know how to do that. Does anybody here know how to define what making and the maker movement is for anybody who's listening who might not know? Yeah, I think for me, that's also like a concept I'm struggling with because whenever mm -hmm. we're talking about the RMC, uh, you know, at the library being a makerspace, then one is that students, not everyone is familiar with the term makerspace. So to people who yeah. haven't used makerspace before, they have a hard time imagining what technologies could be in a makerspace and what counts as like a maker technology. But also on the other side is also, I think, yeah, when we were talking about what, what defines a makerspace technology, and then often there's kind of a divide in terms of only these new like prototyping technologies, like 3D printers, laser mm -hmm. cutters, VR, AR, those count. But there may be also people coming from a traditional background of the making with, you know, wood related technologies or you know, CNC routers, all of these also are part of the, you know, technologies that we use on a daily basis as a maker. And even then you, you brought it up to like a virtual making, like when you edit a movie, for example, does it count as making? Oh. For us, you know, working at the Robinson Media Center, it used to be just a media center, which we heavily focus on audiovisual production. And so we, we, when we're transitioning into, you know, adding 3D printers and AR, VR to the floor, we have a hard time just saying we are a makerspace because people would see maybe audiovisual production, not part of the current maker movement, but I see those are completely falling in under the umbrella of, you know, maker education and makerspace. Because to me, honestly, it's not just about the technology use is, mm -hmm. What behind maker education or what interests me is how to educate students 
to take advantage of these technology and especially the current, you know, these prototyping or fabrication technology that allows mm -hmm. you to become like a change maker because with technology, then it enables you to make really a rapid prototype to test out your ideas. And then, then it's not really just about randomly make something, it's about finding a solution that can really solve a problem and then using mm -hmm. these prototyping tools to help you test out those ideas and improve, you know, the concept you come up with would work. Uh, so to me, that's the essence of maker education. And I don't really care whether it's video, audio that you're making, or it's 3D printers or AR, VR, as long as it, it, it can help you prototype your idea, then to me, that counts as making, that counts as, you know, a technology in maker space. So that's just my own interpretation, yeah. I'm so glad I asked that question. That was not at all planned. <laughs> that was so interesting. Because I think it sounds like there are different kind of veins of maker culture. There's like the makers that love to knit and the makers that love to upcycle and the makers that love to create things out of like craft foam and glitter and googly eyes. And I think that- Who now, Sarah? I don't know who that could be. <laughs> I don't have a container of googly eyes sitting on my desk right now next to my knitting project, but it sounds like those things can cross into tech-based making. Like- hacking, making, creating, tinkering with machines and creating new ones and using AR and VR and 3D printing. Do you get a lot of people that come from a traditional arts and crafts background that want to infuse technology into it? I think it's actually a good mixture, which is surprising because we do, we do tend to market more like, Hey, you're STEM. Like you're, you may feel underrepresented. Like this may be the space for you. You're going to find a whole bunch of people that are interested in the same things you are passionate, just as you are, which you don't get to find a lot in these spaces, especially in undergraduate or just, you know, higher institutions of education. But there are so many people, humanities based, like music based, art based, English based, and then they come because they're super interested in pursuing kind of things that they haven't experienced before. Um, it's definitely a huge mixture, which we, which I'm surprised about, but I'm really thankful for because a lot of people get experience that they otherwise hadn't been able to before. Cool. And I, I really, I got curious and took us on a left-hand turn, which is not, <laughs> not at all unusual for me, but I'm going to go back to the script. Tell us about the Women's Maker program, what it is and why it's important to you and, and just fill us in. Okay. It does has a long history behind, the, you know, the Women's Maker program. I think we, it's an overarching term. There's different parts oh. of the Women's Maker program. Oh, yes, cool. there, there are so many components, but I think the original idea dated back to, I think, around 2017, when I was approached by a library staff who is also a troop leader of the Girl Scouts community, and she wants us to see if we can, like, design a maker camp thing to introduce the Girl Scouts to the variety of makerspace technologies. And I thought that's a great idea. Um, but it's also because this library staff, Jennifer, who read an article about, uh, you know, how middle school is the turning point kind of for girls to start lose interest in STEM. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why she really wants to do something uh, for that age range. And then we did organize a, like a one day maker camp for the Girl Scouts, like around uh, maybe 12 students attended. And then we, we, we kind of collaborate with stuff even across the grounds. And we, we arranged a few makerspace related activities like 
video making, uh, 3D printing, 3D modeling, uh, and electronics. So that was kind of a successful experience. But at the same time, you know, as a person who designed and running, I felt like it's not that sustainable uh, if we want to do it on an every year basis uh, because, you know, it was hosted on a weekend and then utilize a lot of full-time staff. It's hard to, you know, recruit full-time staff to commit to this on a yearly basis. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's also hard to find, you know, female representations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, female staff to help out with this because we're also sort of underrepresented, you know, even yeah, higher education working in tech and STEM, right? So I was thinking, you know, how we can get UV students involved because there's another benefit of having someone closer in age uh, as a, you know, sort of a peer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And we as a staff were you know, a lot older, right? It's kind of a different generation. So that got me into thinking how we can combine and sort of recruit uh, UVA students. But as I researched more on this, I just, um, you know, read a book about, I think it's called, yeah, sorry, I, I, I don't remember the exact name of the book. You can never remember it when you need it. It'll, it'll <laughs> pop up 20 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah, Women's Club, Computing Club or something similar uh, is really talking about some research done thing at Carnegie Mellon uh, University and then they kind of have this research about how mostly about you know uh, female students in computer engineer uh, computer science and then talking about what are some barriers uh, for them in terms of retaining their majors uh, and then there are a lot of research findings talking about actually college is also another kind of a turning point for female students to start, you know, losing interest and confidence in STEM and then sort of switch majors. So even though even we think, oh, we can get them into the college, you know, studying STEM, but if we don't do a good job, you know, at the college level, then we still end up with students either switch majors or Yes, the unlocking the clubhouse. Yes, thanks for the name, Kim. Yeah, so then impressive wizardry, Kim. All right. <laughs> yeah, so it, sound, then, it sounded very familiar. <laughs> I'm glad you also read about it. But yeah, then they may end up not going to the STEM workforce as well. So I realized that this is sort of a pipeline issue. So you you can target different age, but you you sort of have to work on all the critical stages, not just yeah. you know. The middle school or just the college level and i felt like i work at the college level there's a great opportunity for me to really focus on college level while still sort of a help with you know middle schoolers and then also at that around that time i um got a uh, there's a grant in the library that we can apply for so doing some innovation innovative projects so i just apply for it and wanting to design this pilot program to test the ideas and then based on the research from that book, Unlocking the Clubhouse, and then sort of designed this pilot program with the components of, one is the speaker series, so getting students to talk to some of the successful women working in STEM, whether in academia or in the industry, and then see what their learning journey is like, what challenges they face, and how they overcome those challenges. So this is based on the research of, you know, exposing them to role models. Another component is doing this semester-long maker residency program, where they we recruited six students uh, for the pilot program, and they separate into two groups working on two community projects. The reason why we designed that because the research suggests that a lot often there's like a curriculum issue where 
uh, we often don't connect what they, you know, students don't have an opportunity to connect what they learn to apply that into solving real world problems. And the women tend to value that part of the solving real world problems even more than the men. So giving them this opportunity to self-identify community project that they are passionate about and applying the makerspace technology that they're gonna learn throughout the semester will give them more like a sense of achievement and then more like a rewarding experience and feeling more confident after completing, successful completing a real world project. Mm-hmm. And then the other component is what you used to call it like a Girl Scouts Baker Camp because originally mm-hmm. we were target Girl Scouts. And then that was, you know, they, they the students have to design and then implement this maker camp for the middle schoolers. Uh, that's more like uh, helping them becoming a role model and then sort of a passing forward to the younger generation and uh, hopefully will inspire them to become like a STEM students, you know, at a college. Unfortunately, you know, our pilot program happens in spring 2020 and then that's where the pandemic hit. So we have everything oh. online. <sighs> yeah. But we can't comp- uh, complete the uh, Girl Scouts camp because of the pandemic. So yeah, so that was the the pilot program, and because of the success, we were able to apply for a bigger grant uh, from Jefferson Trust that's offered at UVA. So now we have a bigger uh, grant to launch this program for the next two years. I guess easy. You want to talk about you know some of the new components for this? Yeah. So um, we we definitely have a speaker series uh, aspect of the Women's Maker program overall. And that's just bringing in field professionals to talk about a variety of different instances, like their own experiences and their own job, or what it's like being an an underrepresented worker in a field Mm -hmm. that is just your overall underrepresented in um, (laughs) your bosses and your coworkers and how that interaction is, how they even got to be in STEM. How did they, how were they motivated to stay in STEM through their undergrad or even graduate careers? How did they get into research? A lot of uh, students, especially like the fellows in our pilot program and the residents, the residents in this program, because we changed the name to the residents now, but they're very curious. And so the speaker series is probably one of my favorite aspects of it. I helped organize kind of one of the speakers for this semester, uh, Angela Oroval, who's a computer science professor. So I had to, you know, stick in my own uh, major in there. I felt kind of she has so much experience as to like the, you know, working in the public sector versus the private sector. There's so many questions that, you know, a lot of people have, but they're not really able to get that guidance from in in academia. So that's one of my favorite aspects. But the Women's Maker Residency Program is is exactly kind of trying to follow the pilot program as far as making the maker camp, uh, following a community project, uh, either that benefits the Charlottesville community or the UVA community as a whole. And it's just so cool because they get to um, kind of be in this group or a cohort and you're starting from square one all the way to the, you know, to the ideation, like, you know, let's just brainstorm, come up with these things, then actually starting to think about, you know, more ideologically, how would we even implement these? Let's think of some solutions, finding cross sectors, doing interviews, making surveys, doing research, talking to field professionals, that sort of thing. And then actually kind of making prototypes of actual solutions. So there's these first years that are just you know, just got out of high school, just now being introduced to a college environment. And they've already been a part of like this amazing, like semester long, like you've made a project and it's actually immediately like benefiting, you know, a whole community. Um, I think it definitely benefits your, you know, your morale, definitely your motivation and pursuing, you know, your passions further, your interests. 
it's been really beneficial for me. I'm so glad to have been a part of it for the past two, three, <laughs> two, three yeah, years now. Uh, time is flying really fast. So um, that he, was going to be my next question, actually. <laughs> yeah, I bet Kim was going to ask the same. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. wondering, is he like, how did you find this program? Why did you get involved? And maybe even computer science? How did that happen? Oh, okay. Uh, uh. Um, computer science. Well, I'll start. I'll start with that because that that is kind of kind of what drew me. I was like, oh, well, that that's me. I'm I'm a STEM gal, I suppose. But CS in general, I think I think it always starts with like books. You know, the TV representation, like oh, hacking, like oh my gosh, security, like that looks so cool. <laughs> and um and high school um academics or curriculum is so very limited. You just like you have to take one science, one math, one history, blah blah blah. You don't get to kind of pick cool classes. And I'm, I'm a first generation, like higher education student. So nobody in my family had ever been to college. So I didn't really know what to expect going in. But once I did, and I see that you could take a class in virtually anything you can imagine, it was super cool to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can just like learn about whatever I want. This is so cool. And so uh, I was like, well, I, I can take a computer science course. I've never taken one before going in. Uh, of course, that put me behind a lot of students who had high schools or even like camps before that they'd done programming in or coding in. I went to introduction to programming. I wasn't the best student in the class, but I thought it was super amazing and cool. Um, and I was just at office hours the whole time. And I think that that was the first thing to me that was like, this is the first challenging, like kind of like academics that I've ever done. I feel like a lot of students at UVA are normally have that same experience. Like, oh, in high school, like I had straight A's and like, I got to college and like, what's this? Like, why am I? <laughs> Why am I getting C's suddenly? Like, why are my mm -hmm. GPAs like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. So to me, I just kind of like flipped the mindset because I'm like, well, this is challenging to me and I'm still interested in it. I'm not like being turned away from it. So maybe I should pursue this further. And um, I, I declared my second semester first year because I knew that that was something I was really interested in. And then when I got to take cybersecurity courses, that's when I decided that that was my focal path I wanted to focus on rather than like software engineering or development and that sort of thing. But following my first year, I think it was fall semesters when the postcards came out for like advertising. So I was in the RMC playing VR because we have an awesome VR, like two different centers for it. And um, cool. I was playing VR with my friends and I saw a little postcard on the desk for the RMC at one of our libraries. And I was just like, this is interesting. This is like <laughs> a fellowship program that's offering to pay me to 3D print, learn about VR and AR do like laser cutting and wood printing and learn all these cool oh techno like you know technical uh, aspects of UVA and since I was a first year I didn't even know that UVA offered these things and I'm like yeah I've never done this before and I can get even get paid for like learning and experiencing the that dream like, I wanted to hide the postcards because I'm like <laughs> I don't like only give them to the people this. you like you're like no you can't have yeah this. exactly <laughs> Um, so it was just so immensely cool. And so I applied like immediately. It was, a, it was a long application. I was glad that I stuck with it, but I was, I was super glad to have been a part of it. And uh, when I got the news and the following the spring semester that I was selected as like a cohort member, I was like super excited. And I think it was a very beneficial experience all the way through from the project making as well. But to, I was specifically on a cohort with two second years and I was the only first year. So just having kind of like that upper classman a little bit guidance um, as far as like courses and just like working with them along the way even me being like a mentor we did get to visit the girl scouts or they came to visit a little bit we gave them a tour of the library but as far as the maker day camp we did organize the entire day but we weren't able to post it for them because of you know that little the little unexpected thing that happened never heard of it 
never heard of it. Um, specifically for my group, we were designing the castle eating place. Yeah, it's outdoor, like the dining place. Yeah. yeah, so like a lot of students go to it to study. And so we decided, we we're like, oh, well, why don't we make this like little table that somebody eats at, maybe a charging station so that they can do work at. And then so we decided to like design a satellite um, not a satellite lol that would be a little bit more ambiguous <laughs> <laughs> ambitious but like a solar powered charging system a part of the umbrella kind of like an attachment that's so pretty that ambitious for the record <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would have been super cool to do our measurements and that sort of thing but by the time we had already going towards like a more physical prototype that's when we had to like pack your bags go home yeah um, but no, it was just, it's just been an amazing experience. And I was glad to be brought up on an internship to help kind of like design, rebrand for our current residents now in the program. Um, it's just been a super cool experience. And Fang has been like an amazing advisor, an amazing like Thank supervisor you. the entire time. Um, I always went to her for advice and like, how do I communicate better? And like, how do we, you know, kind of like focus our ideation? Because there's so many things you can do. And like, what do I do? She's just been a super great like guide through the entire thing. Easy has been the most wow. productive and efficient student I've wor ever worked with. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a truly beneficial. Yeah, match made least. in heaven. Yeah. Easy, you're the prototype. Now we just need to make more. Yeah, <laughs> more of you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Women that are interested in cloning. <laughs> I agree. So, what are your hopes and your goals for the Women's Maker program? Like, it sounds like it was ready to launch and then. COVID happened and now you're getting the chance to maybe grow and launch again. What do you hope that it grows into? Yeah, that's a very good question. So our current project is funded for, you know, starting from last fall uh, for two years. So, so we will do the, you know, sort of an iteration on a yearly basis. So that means we're going to have a, two rounds of the of this sort of uh, program run. I guess at the end, what I really hope for is find a way to make it sustainable. Uh, one is for funding because you know Jefferson Trust is also just uh, support you to launch the program. So we need to find other sustainable source to continue pay at least for the residents because I see that's an important thing. Even though at the first I, I felt like you know it's good enough to teach you all these without the pay, right? But we realize the people we want to target also are suffering from you know financial have financial needs so it's very mm -hmm. important to pay them so they can feel less stressed when they study and then they actually have can make time to to study and join this program so so that becomes a very important aspect of running this program is getting the funding needed to support the the residents and another thing i really want to do is see a way to sort of hand this over to students to organize the oh. program and implement the program. That's why we kind of designed this internship program for, for this lunch, because I want to see uh, and then also sort of teach our interns how to design and implement this program and then also see what students could do and what you know need to be done by staff. So I'm imagining after the end of the two years, this becomes more like whether there will be a student group or previous cohorts trying to design and implement this with you know library staff or people who want to help as a like a supporting committee members and then we also through these two years hopefully to find some other sustainable source of funding to pay for the program so that that's the like a grand goal of making it sustainable afterwards but i i do recognize there are a number of difficulties whether it comes to funding as well as you know handling completely by students so i'm now thinking of maybe the residency program there, there are certain components like recruitment part 
can definitely be handled by students. And maybe if I have the curriculum more mature and ready, that's something students could sort of teach each other as well. But the speaker series could be very, will be very difficult uh, in terms of you know, reaching out to, to professionals and then setting up time and everything and then you know, payment. So I, I feel like that may be something we will continue to run if we find a lot of students are interested. So there may be components separated from the entire program and that can be handled by students in the long term, but there may be things we still have to handle as full-time staff. So I still have no idea how this going to be at the end of the two-year project, but yeah, that's the kind of current hope. I was also going to say, Fong, we're really excited at Tech Girls to be collaborating with you, and we've got C4K doing some partnerships, so I feel like momentum is building. Yeah, yes. I super appreciate you and also uh, C4K's interest in you know helping out with the recruitment part for the middle school girls maker camp because that's tremendous because for us there's definitely this barrier of reaching out to the community to recruit our target students who are you know maybe at risk for for studying stem but also who may have financial needs or not not having parents able to accompany them to attending the camp so there are a lot of barriers so i'm really thankful you know kim and for the tech girls, especially already having a good relationship with the community and the other organizations like C4K, who are also very devoted and having the, the right target for us to recruit from. So I really hope that this will build like collaborations with the local nonprofits. So we're not just doing, not each of us just doing things in silo, but we kind of join the effort to do something, you know, for better for the, for the community. And I know that you're still working on it, but do you want to say a little bit about what's coming up in April? Okay, there's like a teaser. <laughs> like a little teaser. Yeah. Because <laughs> maybe by the time I, I get this edited and ready, you will actually have a link for it. <laughs> okay, sounds good. We're hoping to host Maker Camp on April the 3rd. That's what the time we currently set for from one to five for middle schools. So that's the our target. And then uh, we're hoping to recruit 20 students to join the camp. And then currently we have some activity designed. One is more like an introduction icebreaker with activities around growth mindset and also social roles. We think it's important not just to talk about the fun of makerspace technology, but also to talk about some implicit bias and also the, the benefit of uh, developing a growth mind towards challenges, because I think STEM Often people quit because some of the, like how, how you perceive failures, right? Because that happens a lot in STEM. If you have a right mindset towards failure, you can rebound faster and you also can, you know, try to learn from your failures. So, oh, yeah. uh, but after that, it will be like a two hours, like exposure to makerspace camp. I'm hoping that we will have some rotation, rotating stations for different uh, makerspace technologies, including 3D printing, 3D modeling, AR and VR. So the participant can choose, I think, two from the four to, to try it out and experience it. And our residents will actually help design that experience. So they also as a way to help them learn deeper about the technology and then be able to teach them. So that's the current plan. So this has actually been very uplifting all around. Uh, I know we don't really need to bring it up because the whole thing is <laughs> Sometimes we have to bring it back up, but yes. I'll still ask it. What are you looking forward to right now? Whether it's related to the program or just in general? 
Yeah, I, for me, I think what I really look forward is to the final showcase uh, at the end of the semester that currently is set on, I think, uh, April 15th is a Friday. The reason why I really look forward to it because I think the students now are, are doing some amazing like projects with makerspace technology. They, they've already finished uh, one challenge of 3D printing, and then they're working on another challenge that they self-select. It could be VR, you know, uh, AR, or whatever, they, they, 3D modeling. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some of their projects, but we're also going to work together to prepare for our final showcase by using some of the makerspace technology. So they will keep you know, learning about it. And also, we actually just had this conversation right after our Friday meeting. And we during today's meeting, we had a brainstorming session to generate ideas. So I really uh, would like to see how they keep developing their community project ideas and what the prototype will end up with and then what their testing result will be. So, and then those all will be presented during the final showcase. And also we're kind of uh, collaborating with another project called Gallery 4 on the fourth floor of uh, Clemens Library. And there's a carved out space for displaying students' projects. So we're hoping to use that space to, to display students' work. So there's a lot happening and to prepare for the final showcase. Um, that's when I guess I would feel the most accomplished. You know, that's where I really look forward to seeing their amazing projects at the end of the semester. That's a lot to look forward to. How about you, Izzy? Yeah, I think for me, short term, the weekend, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a little bit more long term, I am looking forward to seeing how their projects develop specifically for one of the teams. They're kind of in between right now on deciding what they want to do. I'm just thinking about like pilot program. I, I mean, kind of your guys reaction was also my reaction. Like, did we actually like think about making a solar powered charging system? Like, what the heck? Like, I mean, <laughs> And the other team, the other cohort, my first year had, you know, designed this app where, you know, students can use to monitor how busy is, are all the study spaces at UVA, like how's the noise level, that sort of thing. And they made an amazing like video presentation of like all the usages of the app and like, you know, how to use it. And it, it was really cool. So I'm, I'm super excited to see even what they come up with. So even before the final showcase, just seeing them implement their ideas, I'm really excited for Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. What a fascinating program to learn about. And we will share all the links that we can in our resources page. So if any of our listeners want to learn more about the Women's Maker Program, how they can get involved, how they can support, we'll post as much as we can on our research page so everybody can check it out. Thank you both very much. Well, yeah. thank you again so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you really both fun. again. This is really nice. Thank mm -hmm. you for your CS work as well. Until next time. Tech, love, and happiness.